She's not naked. It's, oh, I was it, say. But she's basically wearing lingerie, and I just was like, well, that's such a horrible thing. Like, okay, you've got dock duty tonight, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Fellas, don't drink that coffee. Like you can do it the wrong way or you can do it the way we're doing it. It's your decision. You know what I mean? Welcome to Dishing the Percolator. <laughs> I'm your host, Sean O'Donnell. With me, as always, is Dallas. Dallas, hi. Hi, Sean. How are you? You know what? Uh, I've been better. Oh, no. Um, I root for the San Diego Padres. Oh, it's been a, no. It's been a tough couple of days, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know we I... are... What? Literally the worst team in baseball right now. Of all time. Of all time, yeah. In the history of baseball, there's never been a worse team through the first three days of the season. My job in this is to tie everything back to the show. And so, little known fact, um, Mark Frost and uh, one of the writers, Rob Eng- or Robert Engels, were uh, in a, a rotisserie league together. Hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice I'm just trying to. I, I don't think there's a lot of baseball fans who probably also like Twin Peaks, but that, maybe that's you know, not true. That's not true. I, I, I John Lorenz probably loves baseball. No, I, I don't even know if John Lorenz is listening to this, but you know what? We should have John Lorenz on this show. Maybe uh, sometime in the second season. He's he's a he's a Twin Peaks fanatic, and uh, he knows a lot about the show. Yeah, he we, was, we can. He was in the '90s, like the only person I could talk to the show about. So. Um, <laughs> so well, welcome back. Thank you for uh, this is our. So I kind of made a mistake. This is actually our third episode, even though it's the fourth one. But episodes one and two were really one A, one B because I was the pilot. So this is episode three, or as the uh, title of the episode on Netflix is called "Zen or the Skill to Catch a Killer." And yeah. As bad as the names are, I th- I figured out. I think that they exist so that we all know what episode we're watching because on wikipedia this is called episode two and like i think on the dvd it's episode two but on netflix it's episode three so anyway so you're are you saying because of the podcast they just want they, they've started naming the episodes because of our podcast they said you know what someday um <laughs> someday people are, these... people are gonna need to need to know which episode dallas and sean are watching yeah well, you know, I think Lynch is kind of like that. He's very, he's a very, he's very forward thinking. He loves podcasts. He loves podcasts. I think my favorite David Lynch movie, or can I say this? What? Why can't you say it? What is it? Well, I, I, my favorite David Lynch movie, I think, is that one where they're just filming him talking about iPhones. <sighs> That's my favorite. <laughs> I think that was shot for bonus footage for. Um, for Inland Empire, and there's some great stuff. The Inland Empire DVD, it's actually the the extras, I think, are better than the, the movie. I believe that. Because <laughs> there's one segment where he just cooks quinoa, and it opens up, and he's like, we're cooking quinoa, and it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, you can't watch a movie on your phone. <laughs> he is fantastic. I'm so he happy. He is fantastic. He was born. I do enjoy David Lynch as a person. He so was great on Louis. Fantastic oh, on Louis. That was so so wonderful. Those last three. Is that the third season of Louis when that happened? That story arc. Uh, no clue. Couldn't tell it, you. It's one of the greatest moments in television. Um, there is like a great. There's two great Louis like arcs and not arc there's two great louis episodes i consider that talk show thing to be like one full episode basically yeah sure and then the afghanistan episode wow, do you ever see that think, one i'm trying to think I, th- I feel like i've seen every episode the afghanistan episode was definitely season two it's where he goes okay. to afghanistan and it's like an hour long yeah and like everybody thought it was the season finale but it wasn't just because it was an hour long because season two was that when he goes to china because of that book about Ping the Duck. Remember that? You remember that? I don't okay. remember that. I read what? that book as a kid. It, that one hit me hard because I read that book as a kid. It's like oh. this illustrated book. Anyway, that's a great episode. Louis is one of the best shows if you haven't seen that. That'll be our next podcast is Louis. <laughs> um, but speaking of, uh, speaking of David Lynch, I think this is a good segue because this next episode, uh, Lynch actually directs. And... He only, oh, he only okay. directed. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I was gonna say he only directed six episodes out of the I think thirty that we have. So we don't get a lot of these, so we should definitely enjoy them. And um, also, when he does direct an episode, usually something pretty important happens, and I feel like they're worth like paying attention to. Um, mm-hmm. Also. I just said like, and I'm going to try to work on not saying like so much because <clears throat> I realized, I-, I realized listening back to, um, episode one B that I say it so much. And when you do a podcast and you haven't done a podcast before, you realize there's a lot of flaws in your, mm-hmm. in your, the way you speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty eye opening or actually, sorry, ear opening. Oh. Uh, yeah. You like that? Um, because it, 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 here's the problem, though, with what you just did, and I wish you would have told me before we put it on an episode, because now that you've said that you miss, say like all the time, that's all that the listeners are going to be hearing. I'm not going to do it anymore, though. Okay. All right. I'm, see, this is I feel like it's constructive for me to start also working on the way I speak. Um, <laughs> it's hard. I it's guarantee not, I will say easy. like in the next five minutes. That one doesn't count. I hope so. So. It is difficult to do it, and I and I remember the first few episodes, probably the first ten episodes of my podcast, my other podcast. Everything's fine, um, and I said we said like all of the time. Sure, it was it was so annoying. Like sure. the same thing you just felt. You hear it, and you're like, "What am I doing? I'm an idiot. <laughs> do I not know how to speak like a normal person, or is this what normal people sound like? Because that's also horrible. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty depressing. But anyway. Moving forward, I will. I'm going to attempt to cut them from my my speaking, my vocabulary. I'm proud of you. Um, thank you. I don't know that I'll <laughs> actually do it, but um, well, now and also you know. um's another one. I had like a fifth grade teacher who used to correct us. If you said um or like, he would say not um. Like you'd be talking, and I just did like you'd be talking, and he, you would say um, and he'd go not um. He would interrupt you. So I'm gonna, Mr. V. I know you're out there somewhere. Um, I'm going to work on this for you. 
Well, now I say ho hum a lot. So is that? I don't remember you ever saying ho hum. Well, there you go. 20... I disguise it. It's part of my talents. <laughs> You've done a really good job stopping that. Now that's Mo- all the listeners are going to hear is me saying ho hum. Moving forward, so this episode was written by Frost. Sorry, Lynch. is that a new thing you're going to say a lot? Moving, moving forward, because forward, it's like the fourth time. It's the only way we're going to ever get through any of these episodes in less time than they actually run. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> this episode was written by. Mark Frost and David Lynch, and was also directed by Lynch, as we just spoke about. And it aired on April 19th, 1990, and it ran against the uh, Cheers Wing, uh, Cheers Wings, Bang Bang on NBC. Oh, gosh. Also against, on CBS, this soon-to-be-canceled Max Monroe Loose Cannon, starring Shadow Stevens. Um, I don't know any of those things you just said. <laughs> The internet is the best thing that's ever happened to any of us. It's true. That I could look up what aired on April 19th, 1990, and see that it's Max Monroe, Loose Cannon, starring Shadow Stevens. I want to see Shadow Stevens. He was the announcer for Craig Ferguson when Craig Ferguson had, the, was on, had Late Night. Weird. I know. So did it, it got created in Twin Peaks? Would it, I mean, I guess it was second place. Would it be second yeah. place in those yeah. ratings? Because Cheers was gone. The juggernaut. Yeah. Juggernaut. Yeah. But it, it, Twin Peaks still mightily crushed Max Monroe, Loose Cannon, starring Shadow Stevens. Is there a um, part in Twin Peaks at any point where somebody walks in and they all go, Norm? <laughs> Wait, you didn't, you didn't see that part on this episode? Or like they all go, Hawk! Zen, or the skill to catch a killer. Somebody walks in, Bobby! (laughs) That was, if they would have had that, the show would have ran for another, like, at least three seasons. That's true. That's true. Should we handle, like, listener questions? There's only one. Oh, we had one, but I think we get to that at the very end. Okay. Yeah. Because if you have questions... You can always ask them. You can email. Is there an email? Or how we have an email. Yeah, we have an email. Oh, yeah, we should say how. First off, tell me how we can follow you on uh, Twitter. Oh, uh, my Twitter is at Dallas underscore MC. And mine is at Sean T. O'Donnell. We have uh, Twitter for the podcast, and it's pretty much just when a new episode is out. <laughs> it would be easier for you just to subscribe on iTunes, which you can do, but you can follow us at, at PercolatorPod. And we don't have an Instagram. Maybe we'll have one of those at some point. Uh, you know, for what? I don't know. Exactly. And we, but we do have a website, which that's probably the best thing, which is uh, dishinthepercolator.com. And you can link to, there's links to the iTunes. And also, if you want to listen on SoundCloud and a bio for you and me. Um, not um. So anyway, <laughs> we did get a listener question. We'll get to that in the end. If you have any questions, you can either email us percolatorpod at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet you can send us an email through the website as well so if you're following along and you have a question or a comment or a critique you want to say sean good job on not saying like as many times like i will will take that um let's dig in shall we oh yeah so same intro still Still a lot of <sighs> a lot of birds and a lot saws. of names, a lot of birds, a lot of names. There's so many names. A lot of bubbling brooks. A lot of bubbling brooks. Yeah. Then we get I, to what? Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say overall. Let me just say this is probably my 
favorite episode in terms of how much time they spent on the right people. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. I feel like I got a nice dose of the people I wanted to see. Yeah. And not an, and not too much of the people that I can't stand so far. This episode, I think, for if the show was like a restaurant, I just did like fish. I'm gonna stop calling out when I do it because that's even more obnoxious. I'm just gonna stop doing it. If this show was a restaurant, the first two episodes, you're waiting for a table, and I feel like here you are looking at the menu. You have sat down. <laughs> Like we get the, you know, we're in it now. Um, by yeah, the time you get to the, by the time you get to the end of this episode, things have changed, and it's one of the best episodes. I, I'm really fond of this episode for many reasons. But you, like you're right, the all the the, the storylines and who they're focusing on. Um, there's a lot of compelling things starting to happen. So, yeah, we didn't get too much of the that Asian chick. Josie Packard. Josie Packard. Yes, she is in this a little at the end. Yeah, she's in it, but so she's not. She's not doing it for you yet. Well, she doesn't. She just bothers me. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, I did miss Russ Tamblin. I'll say that he's not in this. Um, but there, I know I, I missed him. But that's. Yeah. But you get a little f- flashback. But anyways, go ahead. Let's go through the episode. Okay, so we start with the horns having dinner, and <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they're having their family dinner, and brother Jerry has returned um and so he makes this big fuss coming in with all the bags and he's got this sandwich um so hold on one second dallas okay okay hello sorry it's okay let's just move right on i'm down everyone's alive that's all that matters. Brother Jerry has returned and he has a sandwich. He has a <laughs> suitcase full of sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, they and he def- they definitely they, ate them. They eat them. <laughs> so over-enthusiastically eating this baguette with brie and butter. This was immediately where I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I, they, got, they trapped me. You know what I mean? Like, trap me, like you're in, like you're. Well, I like, could, you know, that's the thing. Is it if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably, I might be out. Oh, okay, okay. But not like not because I still, hated it. You can still be out, you know. No, no, if no. You no, can't no, handle no, this. See, I, I've, I can't handle it. I, mean, I was just this... I was like, if I was watching that that on its own, just two guys really oddly enthusiastically eating bread. Except, except, and then some this, guy who looks like he's the keyboardist from REM walks in. This reminds me of you and me at Elko Teakson every <laughs> night in 2008, <laughs> which is a joke for like three people. Elko Teakson yeah. is the 24 hour Mexican food place in San Diego that Dallas and I would frequent. The best Mexican um, food. But anyway. So and okay. then Sylvia Sylvia Horn is just starting to lose her mind. Um, Don't blame her. <laughs> while they're having dinner, Ben leaves and says, "Always a pleasure." And uh, then, kind of mid sandwich, has to break all this bad news of what's happened in the first two episodes of Twin Peaks to Jerry. Um, I think it's funny that their names are Ben and Jerry. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's funny. 
And so he's telling about the Norwegians, about Laura, and then the way to cheer him up is they are going to get in the boat and head to um, this gentleman's club that mm-hmm. uh, they, they frequent. And then they cut to, uh, meanwhile, that really awkward Hayward dinner is still happening uh, an episode later. And Doc Hayward is just the most awkward, like, okay, honey, we'll see you in the morning, kind of like hoping that they're going to wrap it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, somewhere, a young Lucas Giolito is throwing fastballs in a backyard somewhere. (laughs) Um, I don't even know if he was alive when this was shot. There's no way. Yeah, because the show's 25. No, this show is... We are old, man. Giolito's probably in his early 20s, and this show is over 25 years old. Yeah, so he's not alive yet. No. Soon, though, soon. Maybe this, maybe this episode was what jazzed up the dad enough. I think there's four years still, but okay, yeah. Um, so the guys, Ben and Jerry, uh, they arrive at One-Eyed Jack's, and there's this horrible... <laughs> This poor girl who has to wait for them out by the water, just like she's naked. <laughs> was she really naked? She's not naked. It's oh, I was it, say. but she's basically wearing lingerie, and I just was like, well, this is such a horrible thing. Like, okay, you've got dock duty tonight, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> like whoever who had they like flipped for that, you know? It's Put like, on your pocket warmers. You got dock fr- duty. It's freezing cold, and she's just like welcoming everyone. Well, maybe, you know, they t- they rotate. I hope so. Otherwise, she's going to have hypothermia quick. So they're there <laughs> because there's a new girl, right, who works there. And uh, they, flip, they flip for her, and Jerry loses. and uh, <laughs> But really, everyone loses because this is so creepy. Um, anyway. I'd say in the episode, it's the least creepy <laughs> part of the episode. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So, um, anyway, One-Eyed Jacks and the Horn Brothers. And we move on to back to the Hayward dinner that's still happening. But, no, the mm-hmm. dinner's over because now it's just Donna and James. And it's just Barf City. Like, <laughs> Barf City. Population us. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're, like, making out. And she's like, are we going to be together, James? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this show is fun. Let's just move on, because I don't really yeah. want to talk about Donna and James. But So Cooper, far, they're, like, my least... Yeah. They're the it, least interesting part of the show. Sure. I don't feel bad. Um <laughs> I feel bad. I but you know what? I don't feel bad. <laughs> so Cooper enters the room. We were saved by Agent Cooper as always. He enters his room at the Great Northern and he yeah. does that little whistle. <laughs> he, blows, mm-hmm. he blows his little whistle and uh right about that time a hawk calls him to let him know that uh Ronette's still quiet. Um they're really hoping she's gonna wake up because she might have you know, she might be able to tell them what happened. And uh, right at that time, Cooper gets a note under the door. I think there's a knock and a note. And it says, Jack with one eye. And uh, he smells the note. Obviously, I mean, we know who this is, right? You know who left this note. Oh, the it would be the girl, right? Yes. It's the, pretty obvious. Uh, huh? 
Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Well, for you. Well, I mean, like, but okay. Well, you even you got it, and I'm not saying that you wouldn't get it, but sure. Okay, we can move sure. on. Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I got it. I just like. She's try- yeah. so she's trying to like help, right? This is her trying to. Well, she's trying to get into Agent Cooper's uh, business slacks. And the way she's going to do this is help. You know, she's trying to help him. Yeah. Um, so she's really like coy with the jack with one eye. Um, and the next scene is this. This is kind of, I like you said, the, one of the least creepy things is the horns. But I love the way they shoot. Um, Mike and Bobby going through the forest with just the flashlight. Oh yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. terrifying. Um, and so they're meeting, they're meeting Leo, which this is a great Leo scene. I feel like it is a this, good Leo this scene. is the Leo scene where he gets the character. Like we're a long way from the like blueberry schnapps, Frankenstein Leo. He's the timing <laughs> is right. He's scary without it being over the top. Um, yeah, so it's good. He's he's. It's like the one time I feel like finally, Bobby and uh, and uh, Blondie. What was the other guy? Mutt and Jeff. Mutt and Jeff. <laughs> Mutt and it's, Jeff. Mike, it's Mike and Bobby. Oh, Mike and Bobby. Bo- Bopper, Bopper, and Snake. They it's have the all these names. I, yeah. Go the ahead. First time I feel like Bopper and Snake, uh, like actually, kind of are realistic. Sure. Because up well, to this point afraid. they've been like invincible, yeah, and now they're finally like actually dealing with, uh, with some possible consequences. Which to this point, I felt like there have been none for them. Sure, yeah. And there's that kind of like, are you with someone else? They sh- you see someone behind a tree. And yeah, you don't know who that is. Um, El Chapo. <laughs> it's probably El Chapo. Yeah, but there's some great lines in this. You know where Leo's like when they don't have the money and he says, Leo needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he talks about how he knows Shelly's cheating. Um, there's also an interesting line there where he says, Laura was, uh, uh, something about how like, you know, Laura was kind of into some stuff and he goes, you don't know the half of it. And he goes, tell me about it. And he goes, yes, yeah, someday I will. Or something like that. I was like, oh, I, I never, I don't think I had caught that before. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, what was the other thing that, um, oh, crud almighty. I just watched it like two hours ago. Um, but the thing with the, um, so, so, well, this probably isn't important to you. It might be, I don't know, like the drugs thing. So, like, the they're selling drugs. So, Bobby and Jeff or whatever are selling drugs. So, yes. So, Leo Leo's is Leo's drugs. supplying drugs and they are selling it to, I'm guessing, the high school. So, that was like a big part that I had no idea about. <clears throat> yes. And this is, this is going back to the first episode where they get the safety deposit box and the money. Mm-hmm. So, remember, they talk about how Laura had the money for the drugs and then, you know, she died. So, uh, where are the drugs? Yeah. So this is, they're trying to kind of make peace with Leo. And there's that scene at the end of this where, where he tells him to go out for a pass and it's, the <laughs> yeah. way they shoot it is like, so kind of creepy. And then it just ends with the, like 
the deflated football hitting the car. Which is seems the like, most impossible. It seems thing. like he threw it 500 yards. Through trees, no, no less. <laughs> but no, no, it has a, it's a kind of a great effect of this kind of takes the wind out of this really tense uh, scene. Yeah, totally. But but I, I think this is the first time you really, like, Leo becomes, Leo comes alive. Um, Whoa. Right, though? Don't you, I mean, I, no, I guess sure. looking, yeah. looking back those first couple episodes, he's not quite there, and I feel like here he is. Well, they were going to get canceled, so he's got to step it up. Well, Max Monroe, Loose Cannon, starring, starring Shadow <laughs> Stevens, was upping its game. <laughs> uh, well, the next scene is Ed... Ed and Nadine and Ed has got his hands just like full of grease. There's grease everywhere. Yeah. And he's trying to walk across and he, of course he steps on one of her drape runners and Nadine just loses her mind. Yeah. And she is very strong. She's a strong one. And uh, apparently out of anger bends her rowing machine back in half. Which, you know, one eyed women can do. It's like, you know, when you lose your sight and all your senses become super strong. If you lose one eye, then you just become very strong. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. But she's intense. There's more with Nadine. We're going to get to more with Nadine. But poor Ed, because he's such a nice guy. Well, I will tell you, there's a scene that's coming up that I'll I'll tell you a fun tidbit about. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. The next is we get a glimpse of what Cooper has the uh, sheriff's department doing out in the woods. And he's just having uh, Truman and Hawk measure distance and there's a blackboard. But the next thing we cut back to the the Leo Johnson household. Um, and Shelly is watching Invitation to Love, which we're, we're going to see more of this. Invitation to Love is like the show within the show. Oh. It's a soap opera. <laughs> this is the first kind of introduction of it. But it's just the credits, I think. And then we have Bobby show up, and Shelly's freaked out because the last episode, Leo had, you know, hit her with soap. Mm-hmm. And Bobby kind of forces his way in, and he sees her, and he freaks out. And he says, you know, if Leo does this again, I'm going to take care of him. They're both afraid, and then they make out, and, you know. As you do. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little tedious with some of the high school stuff. I'm coming. Yeah. To, I'm coming to terms with some of the show that you know is hard to. Yeah, do I mean, it's like it's funny to me though because I feel like a lot of times shows will do that because they, the network will want them to appeal to a certain crowd, you know. Sure. But like for this show, I'm like, even when they do it, it just doesn't feel right. It there's, feels weird. There's a lot it doesn't of this really show connect. that is. It's just about kind of moving it along, and I feel like we're starting to get into more of what this show really is in this episode. So, anyway. Um, Dream sequences. We're going to get there. Yeah, we will. So, the next scene we go back, we see Ed goes to the, the double R, and is this the scene that you wanted to talk about when he's when he orders a cup of coffee? No, not yet. No, no. So, but this is really quick, and he just walks in. I love it. He walks in, puts his hand in the air, and goes, "Cup of coffee." <laughs> he's so likable in this show, um, and he's kind of telling Norma all about it. Anyway, 
we go back to the woods, which is, this is very obviously Los Angeles. This does not look like Seattle at all. And uh, Cooper and donuts and coffee. And I can't watch the show without being hungry. Um, do you follow Donut Bar on Instagram? I do follow Donut Bar on Instagram. Because I tagged you in one of their photos. Because I, oh, really? I, that's a dumb follow, though. You shouldn't follow them because you're just going to want to eat. Everyone who listens to this pod, all four of you should follow Donut Bar on Instagram because it's just like the most magnificent photos of donuts that you want to eat. It really is, but you know, <clears throat> there it is. Sorry. Here's the thing about Donut Bar on Instagram, though. Like I've we've been a couple of times because Sam, when when Sam was pregnant, my wife, she really wanted Donut Bar. They like just opened. Yeah. And so we went one time and it was really good. And so like when she got pregnant, she like really craved their creme brulee donut. Yeah. Which is very good. But here's the here's the thing that uh, kills it for me with Donut Bar. You have to wait. One, you have to wait in line. Well, if you order online, oh. um, you have to order a dozen. But if you order online, then you can you don't have to wait. You just go to the front. Yeah. But um, it's not even that. It's the fact that their donuts are like five bucks a donut. Ah. Like that's a problem. That's <clears throat> sure. not. A, and like for me, it's like if you're charging five bucks a donut and then you're making people wait in line to get donuts because you're not making enough donuts. Like I get that what you're doing is working for you, but it's not going to work forever. Like you're going to just start to piss people off. Apparently Can't, we ha- here and we have one. I stopped going. It just got ridiculous. I didn't realize. I thought this was going to be kind of a thing where I bring it up and we talk fondly about donuts. So this is turning into like a, a kind of a hate speech. There's a place in Escondido called Peterson's Donut Corner. <laughs> and their donuts are infinitely better than Donut Bar's donuts. They're the same size, and they're a fraction of the price. Josh, Kemble, and Jace and I, and my first, my I guess not my first band, one of my first bands, we used to go to Peterson's, and we, Mr. Peterson used to say some very off-color things to us. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, I'm not going to repeat it on the air. I'll tell you later. I haven't but, seen any uh, any Mr. Peterson yet. Oh, he was a character. <clears throat> Let's move on because no one okay. knows what we've been talking about for the last Sorry. few minutes. Donuts. Okay, this is a great scene. So um, he starts by giving a history lesson on Tibet and mm-hmm. talks about how he had this dream where now he has sympathy for the Tibetan people and also this new detective uh, technique. <laughs> And it's based on throwing rocks at glass bottles. And do they? Is that how they make decisions in Tibet? It seems very. You've never been. It, <laughs> <laughs> it seems to, that seems to reek of effort. Um, be like, where do you want to go for dinner? Ah, oh, set the glass bottle up. Okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but this is really this is pretty funny. I mean, he's got this. You know, this is how he's going to figure out who. Uh, who the killer is? Well, it makes sense though. That's the thing that's a that's a bother, because when it well, you here's why it makes sense as a viewer because I was pretty sure I knew exactly where he was going to hit everything. Yeah. Oh, you know, like on which people he was going to hit. Yeah, you kind of you can kind of deduce it just based on the suspects. Sure, sure. So yeah, so Jacoby it hits the bottle, it doesn't break, and then Leo Johnson the bottle breaks. Yeah, because Leo Johnson and I think. Johnny Horn, it hits Andy in the head. Yeah. Which is funny. 
If there was a funny scene. <laughs> we can't hurt if there's no sense in there. <laughs> yeah. Then he does that little like, <laughs> and yeah. then goes back to hurting. Andy's great. I think Andy, the story with him was he was a driver. He like would drive. He was driving David Lynch and Lynch was talking to him and he's, he said, you know, are you an actor? And he said, yeah. He said, do you want to be in this show? I think it's literally that story is how he got that role as Andy. That's really funny. He's funny. I like Andy. He's really funny. We uh, so at, so ends on Leo Johnson, uh, the bottle breaking, and the next scene is they're at back of the double R. It's interesting to see that if you look at the front of the double R out the window is completely different than the pilot. So um, I think in the oh, pilot, yeah. in the pilot, you look out and there's just this parking lot, but now you look out and you're now they've built. There's stuff across the street. It's you know, um, it's well, just we don't one know. Of those... Maybe in the pilot there was construction walls we this didn't is, see. And this is like two days later. <laughs> oh, well, maybe there's some trees no, that they cut I down. I don't think so. No, there's no trees. I'm just that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> yeah, there's no trees anymore. There used to be trees. So Audrey uh, is there, or she walks in and she's having coffee, and then the the Haywards are there, and Donna. He's, Donna's not really friends with Audrey, but she comes over and they talk. And and Audrey asks if Laura ever talked about her father. Yeah. So he and she says they he used to sing to her. So kind of like a little what's going on with that with Ben. Um, and then she kind of tips off that she has a crush on Agent Cooper. Something about how I would say more than tips off. Yeah, she's got a. She has a major, a major flame she's fanning. And then she starts dancing. And then she starts dancing. And that song on the Twin Peaks soundtrack is called Audrey's Dance. Oh. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad it's to know which one just to go a, to. It's not just a clever title. Um, <laughs> Audrey is, she has, uh, yeah, she has some problems. Um so then the next scene is back at the sheriff's station. And this is fantastic because we get to, we're introduced to Albert, who is one of my favorite characters. Uh, Cooper and Truman are examining a towel that they found near the, a bloody towel they found near the, um, where the, where Laura was murdered. Miguel Ferrer from Hot Shots Part Due plays. <laughs> <laughs> this perfect, perfect, surly FBI agent named Albert Rosenfeld. He was um, also in Traffic. He was also in Traffic. I think he's in one of the CSI shows. He's been in like a million things. He's like one of those dudes. <clears throat> he's currently on like a CSI or a NCIS or something like that. But he's so great. And so he comes in <laughs> and Lucy's telling him, I think she tells Cooper that they're there. Before that, he guesses that they're there. And so, you know, she says, he'll be right there. And he goes, oh, I can hear perfectly well, Curly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he comes in and he's just no nonsense. And he's calling out how, you know, welcome to amateur hour and all the problems and stuff. And And then the sheriff, this is great, he sticks up for himself, right? So he kind of pulls him aside and says, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're good at what you do and you better be. Cause if not, I forget the line, something about you'd be looking for your teeth. 
Up Queer Street. Up Queer Street. So yeah. I was wondering, like at this point, how do you feel about Sheriff Truman? You kind of started off a little cold on him, but yeah, I did start a little cold on him, and uh, and now I'm starting to like him. Yeah, I am starting I, to like on him. On Keen, he's great. I think he's fantastic. But um, but <laughs> you say his name on Keen. Yeah, come on, he was in Slapshot. <laughs> he challenged the chief. Um, no, he's he's. He's good. He, just in the first episode, I think it was just so much over dramaticism. <clears throat> that's not right. He didn't, he didn't word. have a great part cut out for him in the first. No, uh, in the pilot, and he just he looked a little lost. Sure. And uh, Wor- hey, wor- weren't we all in the, <laughs> for the pilot? <laughs> we were, but he's he's come on. I like his character. I think it's. I think the more he gets like um, the, the the less he looks like a lost puppy. Yeah. And the more he becomes like uh, Cooper's sidekick, kind of. Yeah, sure. Like the better I can relate to him, I guess. I think, like you said, I, uh, people are starting to like the people they focus on, starting to kind of come into focus. People are starting to get their characters more in line. Leo, for one, I think the sheriff, and um, so anyway. Yeah, totally. But this ends with this great. Where does he? Oh, this is before I think. It's before they go out to meet Albert, but he <laughs> Cooper tweaks the sheriff's nose. <laughs> Do you remember that? What? He goes, Honk. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. You need to go back and watch because before they leave the table where the bloody towel is, he go he just grabs his nose and goes, Honk. Oh, I just remember the thumbs up at the end of at the, the end first of that. Yeah. yeah, that was so really Cooper, fun. Cooper approves of how Truman is finally kind of Showing some backbone. <laughs> so, the next scene, we're back to Ed and Nadine again. Oh, see, a lot of people in the show have serious problems. So, Nadine, I think Ed thinks he's going to be in trouble, but she comes in and call, yeah, big lug. She calls him and says that <laughs> yeah, she like charges after. Yeah, him, yeah, and you're afraid she's going to stab him with a, you know some sort of huge knife, but she hugs him and says that the grease was the thing that solved the problem of the silent drape runners. And Ed, poor Ed's just dumbfounded, you know? Yeah. So this was the part where my daughter, <laughs> who's two, <laughs> she was playing dress up and uh-huh. with her ponies and herself, she put on dresses and, uh, the scream, she screams like Ed, you know? Yeah. And so, Amelia, my daughter, walks over, like right then, and she watches the whole scene happen. Uh-huh. And then I like, hug at the end, and she literally turns to me and goes, He's very sad. <laughs> and I was like, How do you understand that? That's like <laughs> amazing. I, I, I that's funny. I can I just say this going forward? Will you please not let your child watch the show? I'm trying not to let her watch the show, but yeah. when people keep screaming, she comes over and looks. No, at I know you should watch it. This is why you, the nap time. Like, please, going mm-hmm. forward as a PSA, like, don't let your children watch the show. Anyway, well, she's gonna forget. She might not. Um, <laughs> so then we get to the pat. We're at the uh, the Packard house, and uh, Pete and Catherine, and they're arguing. And this is when Pete slips uh, Josie the key to the ledger to where they mm. keep the, the, the books. And she finds out that there's two books. And um, 
Perfect amount of Josie. There's kind of a little kind of mistake here where they said Catherine's talking about what did the FBI guy want earlier today, but that actually had happened the day before. So I think this scene was originally supposed to be earlier up in the episode. Hmm. Um, that's like a timeline thing. Anyway, that's a kind of a nerdy observation. But Well, maybe but there worth, is no time in Twin Peaks. No, there is, but worth pointing out. Okay. Um, and she says, get your boots off your bed and go to your room. <laughs> Which is, that's how my wife talks to me. Oh, you wear your boots? Yeah. Um, I had a fish that took a liking to mine. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, but that, like that, uh, that's what I'm saying. For Josie, perfect amount of Josie. She, and she just has a weird face, and she <laughs> finds out some information, and then we don't have to talk to her or see her again. Okay. Well, now we I just know, feel like she's very... Now we know what you're looking for. The Josie the look and character is like very 1990 American culture. Mm-hmm. Where there was like just the, like remember Karate Kid two, and like, uh, you know, a China Girl. The David Bowie Iggy Pop song. Yeah, like all this was around the late eighties, early nineties, when like America's pop culture was slightly fascinated with like short haired, mousy Asian women. <laughs> and this just fits into it. Like it's a perfect. I like, was I was ten. I mean, I remember Karate Kid, but. Yeah, well, Karate Kid 2, that's okay. <laughs> Karate Kid 2 was pretty great. It was great. It was the same exact film as Karate Kid 1. Remember when Sato was out on his lawn just going, Miyogi, like over and over again? Uh, I remember that so okay. well. Our Karate Kid 2 podcast will be out next week. I say Miyagi all the time. Miyogi? Oh, like such, a great, such a great film. It's a really good film. Um. Okay, let's go on because we need a little pick-me-up to the Palmer house. <laughs> We're good times. It's good times all the time. Oh, golly. So Leland puts on the Pennsylvania 65000. Not even the remix. <laughs> and he's dancing with Laura's picture. And oh, I just feel so, so when bad. When he first started the thing, when he first like put the record player <laughs> down. But before he even started music, he was doing that weird snap. Yeah. Like like that angry, like, mm. yeah. I was like, is he going to start? Is he going to play cool from West Side Story? <laughs> and like Rust Hamlet's going to run in? Oh, you wish. Oh, I did wish so much. It's the saddest thing because then over that that cheery band bandstand music, he falls and breaks the photo and it's just his, the blood from his hand is smearing all over Laura's face. Well, no, hold on. You've moved f- through this a little too quickly. Okay, let's go back. Because she's he's spinning around and then his wife runs in. And one of the few times she doesn't scream right away, so that yes. made me happy. Yeah. And then she she's gonna get him. she's gonna get one in though. Oh, of course. I was waiting for it. And so she you know, they, they kind of wrestle a little bit and that's how the picture breaks. Yes. And then it doesn't get all over the picture. He rubs it all over the picture. I know. Okay. You can't just blow through those facts, those weird. Such a drag when they're on. And then the wife is yelling, "What's going on in this house? Or what is wrong in this with this house or whatever?" But it's like I don't know that that line really bothered me. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, as a writer, (laughs) 
<laughs> like I just didn't get why that was what they chose for her to yell because yeah. she obviously knows what's going on. Like it's very obvious. Uh, like we all know. So why I th- is she I think she's yelling? Just hoping that? that he could help, kind of hold it together, you know. But I guess. Oh, but I feel man. like she could be screaming something a little more poignant to that fact. I don't know. It's very picky of me to get bothered by. But it was just really frustrating as a viewer because as she's yelling that, I just wanted to yell back, like, you know what's going on it in seems this like, house. Yeah, it seems like there should be more people in that house for that line to be the line. You know what I mean? Or more insanity because it's really not that crazy what he's doing as opposed to her seeing visions and screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, was, it was a bothersome part to me. And I still don't like the mom. And then she gets a good, yeah, she gets a good screaming. So she does get a good screaming. Let's move to the end here and uh, strap in, baby. I mean, this is where <laughs> this the, is where this is where the switch gets flicked. This is <laughs> this is where he turns into late nineties David Lynch. So Cooper is uh, going to bed, and uh, he has a dream. Um. So let's go through this. I have kind of written down what we see, and then we can... You stop me at any time. Um, right there. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, just go. Okay. I mean, so, it's just a joke, Sean. Just so he la- we, we see him laying down, and then they cut to, I guess, what's supposed to be time passing, because then it's like his covers are messed up. Um, and then there's kind of this like light flash, and we kind of zoom in, and so we we're, this is we're in dreamland, right? Yes. So the first thing we see is him as an older man sitting in a chair in this room that has red curtains and this kind of chevron floor. And we see the back of this small man shaking. Mm -hmm. We cut to, we hear Sarah calling for Laura, very like, like either the pitch is low or something because it's very kind of a lower voice. But we see Sarah going down the stairs. We cut to a shot of the guy you referred to as Eskimo Joe. Um, we see a shot <laughs> of the crime scene. And then we see a shot of Laura on the table uh, where Cooper was examining her. And then we get the one-armed man makes an appearance. And he reads this poem that ends with the fire walk with me. Um, Then he starts talking about how he was touched by the devilish one. And he had a a tattoo on his left shoulder. uh, And he says, when he saw the face of God, he took the entire arm off. So this is why... He only has one arm. This was not something that came from birth. He took off his arm. Um, I didn't know that he had... I, I didn't... Um, I don't know. Maybe it was dark, but I couldn't see that he had one arm. This I didn't is the know guy, he was the one arm This guy. is the guy from earlier in the elevator in the first... I, oh. I think it's in the, in the pilot. No, I remember. And I then remember. also I think he's in the last episode because Hawk tries to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um... So his he says his name is Mike, <clears throat> and then he names Eskimo Joe as Bob, um, and I think Bob has a line or two. 
He has several lines. And he says, you catch you in my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I will kill again. I guess which is supposed to rhyme. And then we see candles blown out. So let's stop there because then the next thing we're back in the red room and it's all there. So, um, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. It was, this was the, hold on. My mic almost fell down. This was the part that was like the least confusing for me. That, that part up to there. Yeah, because okay. like he, he's I, I, obviously he's having a dream. So I mean, yes. anything's capable in a David Lynch world during a dream sequence. So like okay. nothing's gonna throw me off. Okay, because I've seen what happens in the movies when people <clears throat> aren't dreaming. Yeah, but and this was pretty straightforward that he was like seeing these guys and they were providing some sort of information, whether it's going to be pertinent or not. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we're gonna find out. But like because it could be just there throwing him off, like because this is his dream you sure. know and, and sure. he's already been throwing rocks at bottles to get answers yes so we don't know what kind of information or oh, sorry you do i don't know what kind of information is going to be derived from this and then eskimo joe it's almost like they're setting him up to be the because this episode ends with a cliffhanger which you know we'll get to in a second but they, it's almost like they set up eskimo joe to be that guy that he's like i know who killed yeah laura palmer yeah so, <clears throat> I was fine. It, it made sense that there's this guy, Mike. I didn't see the one arm on him, but that makes more sense that, okay. that that's who he was. And uh, obviously, I have no idea who Eskimo Joe is, other than he showed up in that weird. So yes, yeah, so so far thing. he's only shown up in visions, but we've seen we've seen Mike, um, right? We saw so we know Mike exists. Yes, we haven't seen Eskimo Joe other than in Sarah's vision and now Cooper's vision. If it um, was a vision, I'm, I'm just saying. So far, that's what. That's no, what I know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. The way he's been presented to us is only in through those two channels. Only in dreams. Uh, exactly. So then after that, there's a scene where there's candles blown out and we are back in this, what is known as the red room. Um, so then we see Cooper and he's old, right? This is him older. Al Pacino, end of Godfather 2. Exactly. It's pretty bad makeup. It is pretty bad. <clears throat> What's interesting about this is the way they shot this is they would figure out how words sounded backwards and they filmed it that way and then reversed it. Huh. So the guy who plays his name in the show is the little man from another place. His name is Mike Anderson. He used to do this for like fun when he was a kid is figure out how words sounded backwards in verse. So he was skilled at doing this and he had known Lynch and was in, if he wasn't in something, he was going to be in a script that Lynch was working on. So, um, that's where this came from. Every time I watch this, this is still one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It's still, because there's no real special effects other than it's in reverse. It's yeah. so off-putting the way it's done. <clears throat> it's still striking to me. That's it, it, interesting that you saw it, that you see it that way. But I, I think the only way, the only reason is probably because the time you saw it, like the first impression it left on you. Yeah. 
because I, I watch it and I was looking at it going, well, I kind of know what they're doing film-wise here, but it just kind of came across as maybe like really um, not not bad, but, you know, uh, technology from 1990. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. It's, I think that it's so effective. I don't know. I, I mean, it's very maybe. weird. It's very <laughs> weird. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously it's set up to be very weird. There's a shaking sure. little man. Sure. Who then sits down and starts putting his hands together and talking backwards. So we see Laura Palmer, right? Or we think it is. He says, uh, aren't you Laura Palmer? And he says, this is my cousin. Doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? Um, There's a few things I think I missed. So she touches her nose, um, which is supposed to be a clue, I think. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cocaine. Um, yeah, that, there you go. Bingo. Bingo. Um, he says, uh, the little man says that gum you like is going to come back in style. We get a revolver lyric. That's where I ripped that off from, by the way. Yeah, I didn't um, know until just now. There's Actually, there's a few references to things in my musical career in this scene. Uh, so he says, she's my cousin. And uh, he says, aren't you Laura Palmer? And she says... I feel like that. I think she's, I feel like I am, but sometimes my arm's been back. Um, my publishing music company is sometimes my song's been back. Oh, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. This is not interesting for anyone. Um, I think it's interesting. It's for you. I guess this is just for you and me anyway, at this point, this podcast. <laughs> so he says she's filled with secrets, and he says where we're from, the birds sing a pretty song, and there's always music in the air. And then he starts dancing. Sean, this scene had such an effect on you. <laughs> Why? The, oh, the publishing of... company is named after something in this scene. You put a you take a lyric from something in this scene. This is to me one of like the greatest scenes of all time in television. I think it's. I, I think. I realize clearly you never watched Silk Stockings. I think that I watched a lot of Silk Stockings, <laughs> but not when. Not when anyone knew I was watching it. Um, this, I this like I was. This just raises the bar. I feel like for all the dream sequences, like you have to understand. When I watched Sopranos, I thought about this a lot. Like in the second season, when they started getting into those kind of weird dream sequences, like you have to reference Twin Peaks because there hadn't been anything like this on TV. This is at this point. This is the weirdest thing that's ever been on television. At this point, up until there. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, it definitely hit rings of like a a more um, like it rings of uh, oh god, I just forgot the show. Tales, not tales from the crypt. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, sure. But like Twilight Zone was even more like fifties, like do sure. do 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 do, and this like didn't have that. It had a much more serious, like weird uh, effect. Yeah. But anyway, um, it did have an effect on me. This is one of my favorite scenes, and there's a lot going on here. We can't really get into it too much because we still have so many episodes to go. But anyway, at at the end of this, Laura walks over and kisses Cooper, which, like, FBI special agents, they get all the ladies, even if, like, they're, you know, dream ghosts. Um, (laughs) And then whispers in his ear... And that's when we cut to back to him waking up. <clears throat> and he says, uh, you know, 
meet me for breakfast. I know who killed Laura Palmer, you know, and then he says, no, it can wait till morning. Um, which of course the viewer, you're like, come on, just say it. See, what's funny is you took it like that. And I'm like, of course he, this would be this thing. <laughs> like, of course he'd be like, no, it can wait till. Do-. I've seen like, the show so many times and I just, I still want him just to say it, you know? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, no, I thought I, I love this episode and I love that dream sequence. And there's a lot, you know, you, you have to understand that there still are questions for those who have, of us have seen the show, um, you know, and so there's a, but there's a lot going on here. Um, but anyway, I, how do you feel <laughs> trying to take your temperature now after three episodes of the show? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely felt like we were finally getting into like, I mean, obviously now I know because he directed it, because I've I tune out the the credits, um, but obviously I, I feel like this was the most David Lynchian of the show so far. I think that's fair, sure. And you know, obviously he co-wrote and directed the episode, but it it, it was very. Um, I feel like we're. I feel like this was the first episode where I we're gonna get more into. Like this is what the show is gonna be from here on out. Yeah. It's going to be more of this than the first two episodes. And I could well, be wrong, but I mean, like, the pacing was a little bit better, like, a little quicker. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, the characters, you know, we got to see characters that I think are more are, are a little more interesting to watch. Um, and then we got to see the weird David Lynch stuff, especially the dream sequence that apparently changed your life. Um, <laughs> but I think, and it does, it's funny that you bring up that Sopranos comparison because. I think a lot of people would view a lot of those Sopranos dream sequences in the same, like, you know, what the hell is going on as you would this sequence. Sure. You know, like, sure. I feel like you could watch this dream sequence from this episode and get mad at it. Yeah. I and did, I, 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 I feel yeah, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like people do that with the Sopranos dream sure. sequences, right? Sure. We're watching a mob show and you're like giving us deep <laughs> character development. Yeah. Uh, in a weird way. But I mean, um, I don't know. Like, like I said, the the hard part for me is when they start out doing things like they did, where they're just eating bread, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on? Like, are we supposed to be enjoying this show, <laughs> or are they trying to make me hate it?" And so I get conflicted because then I I go from there where I start watching the um you know like the Bobby scene was the first scene where I actually thought Bobby was interesting. Yeah. And didn't want to just like have his character be killed off, like you said. Leo was better. Um, I still hate the the um, stupid Audrey girl. Mm-hmm. I think she's annoying and dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Flynn Boyle and James are so unbelievably boring. <laughs> um, like the parents are kind of the most interesting characters in the show. Like the parents are the kids. Um. And then Cooper is great, and the the sheriff's coming along. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to think back and see, like, because there is that thing for a TV show where it's like it, it takes a few episodes to get into the groove. Sure. So it's got to be weird for you to re watching them. It's really and, fun. I, I, this is something I think I planned on doing without whether or not I was going to make you watch it and whether or not we were going to do a podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been actually really fun to kind of watch it, kind of taking notes even. I've never done that. 
Um, cause there are parts that annoy me. I think I, th- overall I tend to f- put this show up on a big pedestal and I still do, but it is interesting to really kind of look at it with a, a microscope and I, I to have someone to bounce, bounce off, uh, you know, kind of theories and problems and parts we like. I'm, I'm really enjoying this if no one else is. So, <clears throat> well, the, the listener question was, who do I think so killed Laura Palmer? Oh, yeah, we, so, so this is from Instagram. At uh, Liz Ramsey wants to know who you do think. So we, so, it, so Cooper knows, right, at this point. And so we want to know. He well, he says, he says, I know who, that's how it ends. I know who killed Laura Palmer. So well, Dallas. Well, I would assume that he doesn't know for sure. Well, maybe he does. Well, then, then season two is going to suck. <laughs> A lot of people would agree with you. <laughs> um, I mean, I have two theories. Okay. One is that it's Tony Soprano. Two, because I, for some reason, feel like that could totally be real. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I feel like it's either the little man. From the dream? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the show is trying to direct you into thinking it's Eskimo Joe. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like the night, like in the 1990s, like shows weren't that smart yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm worried that it's Eskimo Joe and I'm only worried because there's not a lot behind him. And I feel like it's, it's so telegraphed that it would be upsetting if that's who it ended up being. Sure. Um, so that's one theory. The other theory is that I, um, I don't know. I, I still think Russ Tamblin has a good, has a good case to be the guy. Yeah. And I feel like that's so flimsy, though. And it's only because I guess I don't want to pick somebody that's, that's a front runner. Sure. Like but obviously, they're pu- but they're at pushing, this point, they're would- pushing him a little bit because, like, obviously, I don't want to comment on this too much, but they they are pushing a few different characters as, well, as potentials. Pushing- Tamlin stole the necklace and yeah. he has the, the recordings and sure. and he's obviously obsessed with Laura to some degree. Where the bottle gets hit but not broken. Exactly. Yeah. So there is some and then Leo, obviously they're pushing Leo, but yeah. I don't know, I feel like Leo's too dumb for all this. So then there's maybe that character who's standing behind the tree, you know, maybe he yeah. has something to do with it. Um but obviously I don't know anything about that character, so I couldn't be like, Well, that's who killed her. So I would say right now. I would lean more towards Eskimo Joe or possibly Russ Tamlin. Liz Ramsey, there you go. There's your answer. Thanks for asking the question. And your other, your other question Her about is, my wife's podcast. What did she ask? Does your wife support your podcasting? How many no. podcasts are you on right now? Three. Tell us what the other ones are so people want to listen they can. I do one. I host one that is the one of... Uh, my, with my myself and a guy named Travis, it's about politics and pop culture. It's called Everything's Fine, mm. and then uh, I host I one bet, about. I bet that one has a really great theme song. It does have a great theme song. What's funny about that show, and this is going to be not interesting. Do you still, for, u- do you still use that theme song? We use it every episode. Is that me outing that I haven't listened to it in a while? <laughs> that's okay. No one listens to it that's close to me. Um. <laughs> No, uh, your theme song play is the outro to the show. We actually, what's funny <laughs> is that we played it as the intro f- to the show for like two months and our numbers started going down. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. No worries. Um, 
Yeah, I'm just kidding. But uh, then I host, <laughs> I co-host one with San Diego Sport about San Diego sports called the the Kept Faith. Oh, you guys have a lot to talk about. We do, and the Kept Faith is the longest running uh, podcast in San Diego sports history. I bet that's not officially sanctioned by like a team. <laughs> I bet. Uh, and uh, we're one of the first. <laughs> We're one of the first blogs, San Diego sports blogs, that's ever been in San Diego. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So anyway, those are the those are the two other ones. That, but to get to can, Liz's question, my wife, wife is not supportive. She mm-hmm. hates that I do these podcasts. Um, I have to find time when she is not here to do them. She's at work right now. Um, that's kind of how the system works in my home. I get it. Well, yeah. We have kids, and we have limited time together. So I I try to schedule all of these when she is not home. So when she is home, we can focus on hanging out and doing whatever we want to do. Um, but I don't think she listens. But she doesn't listen to any podcast. So she likes to talk a big game about, oh, I don't, I don't even listen. But she doesn't listen to any podcast. She listens to the radio, which is so weird because she's so much younger than me. And so by all accounts, she should not listen to the radio at all. Why? Because people who are in their 20s, they don't listen to the radio. They listen to their their uh, iPods and their their Zooms. What was what was Neil Young's one? Pono? <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, Pono. I don't know. Yeah, they just, you know they just, did, did anyone buy a Pono? Please write us at Percolator Pod. <laughs> Let us know if you bought a Pono. But that's the thing. That's the answer. But I'm not offended. I'm glad that she. The only reason why I she would hate this podcast because um, she Cause would I'm, never because I'm on it. Yeah, she doesn't like you, yeah. and um, and the sports one she would have no interest in. And she every once in a while she will listen to everything's fine, but then she just gets mad at Travis and doesn't want to listen anymore. So she doesn't want to watch the show with you, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh no, we would never get to it. We have about 45 shows we're supposed to watch together. My wife liked this show. She's actually... Uh, she wanted to th- name our dog uh, Agent Cooper. That's funny. Yeah. It's not that she wouldn't enjoy it. I think she might <clears throat> like it. It's more that we just like... We like we literally have four shows to watch and we don't have... I understand. You know, we don't have time. What else are you guys watching right now? Uh, watching Twin Peaks and um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're watching. Uh, well, we just got up. We, we were not caught up. We were still a season behind, but we caught up on season five of Downton Abbey. Mm. Um, we are watching the. Obviously, we we stay caught up on the newer shows on Hulu, like New Girl and uh, Modern Family. Last Man on Earth uh, got funny again. It started to be not funny, and I think the last few episodes have been really funny. Okay. After a long break, and uh, and then we watched Portlandia, but we watched it on Netflix, so we kind of got caught up on that. And maybe mm-hmm. a month ago, we just got caught up on Mad Men. Okay, finished Mad Men. Yeah. So it's you know, but that's like we both work nights a lot, so sure, it's hard to catch up on shows together. I hear you. Do you? Well, I'm not listening. I have my ear- my earbuds have not been in for the last <laughs> two minutes. Dallas, this is really fun talking Twin Peaks with you. You too, buddy. And uh, I look forward to doing it again, and I'll see you next week. 
You should tell people how they can get a hold of us. You know, uh, we did that, didn't we? Do that? Okay. Uh, you know, you should uh, you should get a hold of us. You should subscribe on iTunes. You should follow us at Percolator Pod. You should visit us at uh, www.dishintheperkolator.com. You can email us at percolatorpod at gmail.com. Did I miss anything? I think you're good. I think I'm good. Don't get mad at me because you asked me a question. And I oh. answered it. I'm not mad at all. I love you. <laughs> I love you. We'll see you next week. Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes, something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling, falling, are we falling in love? Mmm, that's the ketchup. I like coffee, donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.